if the Torah describes a debate between two great tzaddikim, don't think that one is right and the other not. The Torah is giving us two perspectives voiced by each of these two opinions. And so when you have the disagreement, apparent disagreement, between Yaakov and Yosef as to which of Yosef's two sons takes priority, Menashe or Ephraim, it means that each one has a certain advantage the other doesn't. Yaakov will highlight what Ephraim brings to the table, which speaks to the kind of avoider that Yaakov did, whereas Yosef will speak about the greatness of Menashe, which speaks more to his avoider. In Eintika said, and the parasha tells us how Yosef presented his two sons and made them stand in front of Yaakov in order to get a blessing. So the way Yosef set them out was that Menashe, the older, should be to Yaakov's right and Ephraim to the left, and Yaakov switches hands. He puts his right hand on Ephraim, his left hand on Menashe. So then Yosef does the Zen, when Yosef notices this, is Vayera Be'inov. It, was, it wasn't good to him. He, he kind of was upset about it. And he, so to speak, corrects his father and he says, No, no, it's not this way. This is the firstborn Menashe. Put your right hand on his head. At Yaakov for to which Yaakov replies, Yodaiti bin Yodaiti, I know. Gamhu Gamer, he'll also become a great person and he'll have a great lineage after him. But his younger brother will actually outdo him. His lineage will be greater. And therefore, when he gave the brocha, he says, He first puts Ephraim and then Menashe. Okay, so according to Yosef, Menashe should get precedence. According to Yaakov, Ephraim should get precedence. So we have to, we have to understand. Why generally would the firstborn son get priority, extra brochas, extra inheritance over the other brothers? It's because we understand in Judaism that a firstborn son has a natural advantage over the other siblings. If it's true what Yaakov Avinu obviously with Ruach HaKodesh was able to discern about Ephraim, that Ephraim is actually going to be the greater of the two brothers, then logically, and you have to ask yourself the question, so why was Menashe born first? The reason somebody is designated from on high to be the Bechor is because they have greatness that the others don't have. If Ephraim has the greatness, as Yaakov identifies, why was he not chosen to be the firstborn? So from that we have to conclude that in fact it is true that Ephraim has an advantage over Menashe. But Menashe must also have some advantage over Ephraim for which reason for which reason he was born first. So there's a fundamental greatness that Menashe has for which reason he's the Bechor. And there's a greatness that Ephraim has for which reason he gets the Brochus from Yaakov first. So whatever advantage Ephraim has over Menashe, that is most relevant to the brochas that Yaakov is going to give. Which is why Yaakov prioritizes and precedes Ephraim over Menashe. Okay, so we've got to understand what is the advantage of Menashe that makes in the Bechor, what is the advantage of Ephraim that gets in the brochas first. Let's take that perhaps from another perspective. The Rebbe has discussed many times 
is by tzaddikim ubefrat badiyabus shvatim. Generally speaking, when you deal with tzaddikim, especially with tzaddikim of the caliber of the obvious in shvatim, nitshayich kintos chasvashon. They don't make mistakes. Tzaddikim don't make mistakes. Certainly not tzaddikim of their caliber. Ubefrat zerinyon ubechustenin terasemes. And especially if there's something about a tzaddik that is recorded in the Torah, which is a Torah of truth, so whatever the Torah records about them, an opinion that they put forward, a perspective that they had, is true and eternal. It's unshakable. And because Torah is very much about lessons and teaching, whatever the Torah records about tzaddik, it must be an eternal lesson for us, which means there's an eternal lesson in the story of Ephraim getting blessed first, as there's an eternal message in Menashe actually being the physical b'choy. So the full is moving from which we have to understand. As Yosef's taina, kizab chorusim yimincha al roisha from Menashe. When Yosef, so to speak, argues or complains to his father and says, "No, this Menashe, he's the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head." Doesn't mean that Yosef got it wrong. He didn't know something that his father knew. He didn't appreciate that Ephraim would have greatness and perhaps even more greatness than Menashe. Now var er hod gehalten as dimaydi from Menashe. It is because Yosef believed that whatever greatness Menashe had, for which reason Hashem designated him to be the firstborn, overruns, overrides the greatness of Ephraim. So yes, Yaakov Avinu is right. Of course there's greatness to Ephraim. But Yosef believes that the greatness of Menashe, for which he was designated the Bechor, is more important. In other words, as both sides of the argument. Yosef's perspective, which is that whatever Menashe's greatness was, is the higher greatness. Or Yaakov's perspective, which is that Ephraim is greater than Menashe. Both of them, Zayn and Emes, they're both valid. If you live in Yosef's world and you serve Hashem in Yosef's mode, Ephraim is, sorry, Menashe is the greatest. And if you live in Yaakov's world and you serve Hashem in Yaakov's mode of service, then Ephraim is greater. So obviously we have to understand what does Menashe represent, what does Ephraim represent, how do, how do each of them fit with the unique avoidance of Yosef and of Yaakov. So that's why the way the story plays out is when the Torah describes how the sons are born to Yosef, Yosef's world, Yosef's avoider, is Abachoy Menashe. There you see Menashe takes precedence, he's the Bechoy. Vasinabhirshtrep explains that the the father's energy is more, is manifest in his firstborn son more than in any of the other children. So in Yosef's world, Menashe is recorded first. But when the Torah wants to talk about these grandsons relative to their grandfather Yaakov, then it says, Then when he says, The two sons that you have, Yaakov says to Yosef, Your two sons that were born to you in time are to me like my own sons. Then it's Then Ephraim comes first. There, Yaakov Avinu compares Ephraim to his own firstborn, Ruvain. So there's a link between Yosef and Menashe, and it's a link based on Avoida. And likewise, between Yaakov and Ephraim, we have to understand them. And the way to understand them is, how did Ephraim and Menashe get their names? Because that tells us what kind of Avoida each one of them represents. 
So the difference between the two sons, Menashe and Ephraim, Onoich Vidayilu from Menashe Shaykh Yosef from Ephraim's Abrichus Yaakov, which will explain to us why Menashe's greatness is closer to Yosef's reality and Ephraim's greatness to greatness to uh, to Yaakov's great um, avoider. So you'll understand the difference by looking at their names. Both names. Menashe, who was named why? Because Yosef says. He helped me, David, to help me to be able to forget all the sorrows of my father's house. On Ephraim, Hashem Ephraim, because Hashem allowed me to succeed and to grow and to be abundantly successful here in my place of of oppression in Mitzrayim. Both of them, both Menashe and Ephraim, speak to sentiment that Yosef had as a result of having left home and gone to Mitzrayim. It's just that no, yeah, there are no in, in a It's just that Menashe and Ephraim both represent two completely different ex- sides of the experience of Yosef going into Mitzrayim. Then no Menashe, when Yosef names his first son Menashe, the Mount Yosef has no shanigam base There's a link that Yosef makes between Menashe and his experience in Mitzrayim and his father's home. In other words, he highlights the fact that he's in Mitzrayim, which makes him forget his father's house. Now, there's a positive side to that because he forgets the Tzoros, but there's a negative side. He forgets his father's house. He's been almost assimilated into the culture of Egypt. He's become used to his environment, and he forgets what it was like back at home. And that bothers Yosef. Yosef doesn't want to leave, to forget his father's house. He doesn't want to lose that connection. So Kinoshani, he gives his name, Menashe, so he'll be consistently reminded, I need to reconnect to my father's house. I don't want to follow the natural process, which is that over the course of time and the distance, I'm going to disconnect. He doesn't want to disconnect. So Menashe represents his yearning for connection to his father's house. Whereas Dakegan Ephraim, Ephraim is almost the exact opposite message. That Hashem has given me abundant success in the land of my oppression, which means that talks about thank you, Hashem, for the great brochus that you've given me in Mitzrayim. So Menashe is, I don't want to lose the connection to home. Ephraim is, Baruch Hashem, my home over here is a place of great success and brocha. Now, we did say that these are supposed to be lessons for us, eternal lessons. So it's not just a story about Yosef. It's actually the story of every single Jewish person in Eretz Onyi, in a place of oppression, which is in Golis. There are two modes of thinking and two modes of avoida that are supposed to be represented by being in a foreign environment. Ein Oifen is one side of how a Jewish person is supposed to think about and relate to being in Golos. Is The first priority is to ensure that if I am in a foreign environment, if I'm in Golos, it shouldn't affect me. It shouldn't change me. It shouldn't shift me. It shouldn't undermine my value system. How do you do that? The only way to do that is to always feel plugged into your place of origin, to always feel a connection to your home, your real home. Which means your spiritual standing prior to entering the space and experience of Golos. So that's one really important thing. If a Jew wants to keep their head above water in Golos, you have to remember where you come from and wish to be connected to that source. And the way that you do that is you remind yourself consistently that this world I'm currently living in, this environment in which I find myself, is designed 
to make me forget where I come from, to erode my values. On those pailed as it's all need for guessing. And as long as you're conscious of that, so you're vigilant. And as long as you're vigilant, that ensures that you don't forget where you come from and you don't forget your values. That's one part of the life of Ingolus. I don't belong here. I, I shouldn't think like these people. I shouldn't behave like this environment. I'm plugged into a source of absolute pristine values. One side of the experience. At Sveta Ifen is, and there's another side of the experience of being in Golis, which is, Eres in Zanavoida, or Eres on Zanavoida is, in Eretzoni, in the Mcheshech HaGolis. At the same time as I don't want to be here, the fact is, this is where I am. This is where I have to work. This is where my Avoida is now, within the dark space of Golis. Now, when you take that attitude, which is, I'm here to work and to affect and to make a difference, then I cannot be living with the memories and the nostalgia of where I came from. You've got to be completely invested in working in the Golos to transform this darkness into light, to transform the impurity into holiness. And when you succeed in affecting the Golos, transforming the Golos, radiating light from the Golos, then you get elevated as a person. To the point that where is your abundant success like Yosef saw? In your place of oppression. So on the one hand, you wish to be back where you were. On the other hand, you realize your avoid over here is going to elevate you to a position you could never have achieved if you were still in Beisavi. Dos is the time for Ephraim, is That explains to us why Ephraim, in Yaakov's assessment, will outdo Menashe. Because the entire reason we were put into Mitzrayim then or into Golos generally is only to gain more out of the experience, not to suffer. That we should reach a point through this descent into Golos that takes us higher than we were prior to the descent. So that means need to know the need for a guess and base of in a big in Golos, which means not just that we should reach a point that we don't forget who we were or where we come from, but that we actually make a difference to a naturally unholy environment. As is Otsukumanayusinu to the point that we create an advantage in the world that we're in and in ourselves through the avoid in the world that we're in. So that's why, what, is, what does Yaakov say? Ephraim is greater. Ephraim is greater because Ephraim represents the Yisrael Ha'omen HaChoshech, the Yeridot Tzorichalia, the fact that you enter into Golos and it catapults you to a far higher spiritual state than it would have been had you never been in Golos. Le'idach yet, on the other hand, in practical physical reality, is Menashe de Bechor. Menashe is actually the firstborn. Valin Leida, because that discusses birth. Birth is his galus. That when something comes from a hidden environment in the womb into a revealed environment in the world, you can actually see what the baby looks like. So when we talk about the birth of the two sons, then we're talking about, metaphorically, what the avoider looks like in practice. In practice, you have to start with Menashe, start with an attitude of, I don't belong here and I wish I was back in my father's home, in order to reach Ephraim, which means to actually have an impact on this world. You cannot impact the goddess if you feel at home in the goddess. Before you can have an impact on the land of your oppression, the goddess environment, so that it becomes a place of abundant success, which is a seitoi, before you can have a positive impact, proactively do good things. 
First, you have to make sure that you are immune to the darkness. You can't illuminate the darkness if the darkness infects you. So therefore, you need surim meira, which is what, what Manasseh represents. Stay away from that which is negative. So you always have to remember, I don't belong here. This is not my space, not comfortable for me. I have to always remember base Avi, where I come from and what that represents. But because the goal, the ultimate goal of the entire experience is their frame action, which is to affect the world, transform the world, and thereby elevate ourselves and the world. The Rebbe is in Birchas Yaakov. So therefore, when Yaakov gives a brocha, which is the brocha, which is the empowerment to be able to succeed in our avoider through Golas, as Ephraim Choshev, their Ephraim has to be prioritized because we need to be given the tools and the wherewithal to be able to succeed, to do our avoider. So there you have it clearly. Menashe is the attitude that keeps us healthy. It, re- it allows us the opportunity to stay away from the darkness of this world so that we could have a frame, which is to impact the world. And that's what Yaakov empowers us with his brochas in order to do. Now we could take this concept to a completely deeper perspective. Atifra has borindem, deep explanation. We have now identified that when a Jew works within the Golos, changes the darkness, illuminates the darkness, that it creates a tremendous value and elevation to the Jew. There's actually three parts to that, or three perspectives on it. The first part is this. The first thing we know is that Jews are kind of dafka. So you take us, you put us into an environment of darkness and conflict. That immediately elicits from within the neshama a certain stamina and a certain uh, a certain strength that says, I'm not going to allow this to affect me. Like you see in normal human experience, that when you have some kind of opposition, that's when you dig deeper, and that's when you find the capacity to be able to overcome. When I'm in a place that is desolate and a desert, that's when I thirst for Hashem. And I wish I had that same experience when I was in a place of Kedusha. So the first level of the experience of Golis is because there's pushback from the Golis, that's why I fight harder, which means I find deeper resources within myself. Base Tifa, therefore. Now take that same concept, but let's look at it even more deeply. When a person goes through a very deep descent, that draws on very deep resources within the neshama. These are resources that have absolutely no limits. Which allows the person the potential not only to protect yourself, that the goddess is not going to affect me. That's level one. Level one is, ah, you're trying to infect me. Watch, I'll show you how strong I am. Now, the deeper level is, not only are you not going to affect me, but I'm going to find such, such depth within my neshama that I'm going to affect you. And I'm going to transform you and I'm going to elevate you to the point that I'll turn the darkness into light. So the first level is I'll protect myself. I don't care how hard you push me. I won't relinquish my connection to Hashem. The second level is you're pushing me hard. Guess what? I'm going to push you hard as well because I have resources in my neshama to transform you. But of course, both of those only really affect the neshama. How deep of the resources of the neshama am I able to reach? Says, 
And it just happens that the way to access this part of Manishama requires an environment of, of pushback, an environment of conflict, an environment of Golas. But then there's an even higher level that could affect the neshama, not just that I now need resources from deep within myself because there's a conflict, but more than that, Gimel. When a person succeeds in transforming the darkness of Golis into light, transforming the impurity into holiness, elevating our world into a place of godliness, not only does that allow the Neshama to discover or release resources that were always there, but it actually allows the Neshama access to resources it never previously had. Like, for example, the Baal because the Baal has been in a place which is impure, that allows the Baal access to merits that a tzaddik could never have, because these are merits created out of Averis. Likewise, over here, there's a dimension of the Neshama created out of the struggle against Golos, which, if the Neshama was never put into an environment of Golos, it would never access those levels of soul. So we can now understand the difference between Ephraim and Menashe and how they represent these two different types of avoida when you're in Golis. Both Menashe and Ephraim are children of Yosef, which means they bring an Arozayin Inyan, that they express what Yosef is all about, which, what's Yosef all about. Yosef was given his name, that Hashem should add, Rachel says, for me another son, which Chassidus explains, Chassidus explains, Yosef Hashem li ben Acher is the success and the achievement of Golos, which is, to take that which is distant from Kedusha, that which is unholy, that which is foreign, and make it ben, make it a child of Hashem. So that's what Yosef is all about. Yosef is about affecting the goddess and transforming it. And Yosef then expresses his avoid in two different ways, Menashe and Ephraim. Menashe is the take of Azikorim from Beisavi Kenal, as we already described. Menashe is this absolute clarity and memory of the fact of where I belong and where I come from and what my reality is. Beisavi. The take of Hanashamavos is his Galigvarim by Yosef and Durchsan Avoidem Mitraim, which, as we previously said, is you discover resources within your Neshama when you're up against an adversary, when you're up against conflict. That's when you discover the power of your own Neshama. You realize where you're from. Whereas Ephraim represents the success and the advantage of that success of when you turn the goddess and you turn the darkness into light. Where Hashem gives me abundant success. Where? Specifically in the land of my oppression. Because the ultimate, of course, is the Ephraim element where you transform not only your world but the darkness around you and therefore you elevate the Neshama higher than where it could have been uh, uh, um, as, as its uh, point of origin. So then, that's why Ephraim is greater, because Ephraim represents the transformation of the world, and by extension, the great elevation of the Neshama, which is achieved through that trans- transformation. That only raises a question, though. So now it doesn't seem to make sense. Why then would Yaakov be associated with Ephraim and Yosef with Menashe? You'd expect that, he, that Yosef is the concept of Ephraim because that's what he did. He actually transformed Mitzrayim. You would expect the opposite. Seeing as Menashe is the theme of remembering your source, your father's house, 
you'd assume, okay, well, then Menashe must be connected to Yaakov because that is Beisavi. On Ephraim, whereas Ephraim, which represents the success within the land of Mitzrayim, and you'd expect that that, uh, that is connected to Yosef. Because Ephraim surely represents what Yosef is all about. Ben Acher, taking the Acher and making it into a son. The transformation of negative into positive and the great advantage that comes from that. So why is Yaakov associated with Ephraim and Yosef with Menashe? So in order to understand that, we have to first look back to Mabir and Posuk. Let's look at something that Yaakov says about the two sons, where he tells Yosef, These two sons that you had that were born to you in Mitzrayim before I got here, they're mine. Your two sons, Ephraim and Menashe, will be to me like Reuben and Shimon. Mastonia is not fashtandik. There's something about the language over here that seems to be unclear. Why, why do we need so much information? Surely Yaakov could have just said very simply, Say, your two sons, Ephraim and Menashe, are like my own sons, like Reuben and Shimon. Why is it necessary for the Pasuk to spell out, They were born to you in Mitzrayim, before I got you. What's the difference? So the answer to that is, Yaakov is not just indicating which of Yosef's children will be the ones who are included in the Shvatim. He's explaining why Ephraim and Menashe will be included in the, in the Shvatim. What is it about Ephraim and Menashe that makes them Lihem? That Yaakov says they're mine, they connect to me. It, what's the connection? Because they were born in Mitzrayim, and not just born in Mitzrayim, they were Dafka born to Yosef before Yaakov reached Mitzrayim, is their fire, that's the reason why they are considered like his own children. What does that mean? Because the pastors, Look at the story of Ephraim and Menashe. They were born in foreign territory in Mitzrayim. And they were born outside of the influence of Yaakov, not in his space. And nevertheless, they lived like Yaakov's grandchildren, meaning to say they adhered to his value system. Is That's why they're mine. In dem Ephraim and Menashe keeping the faith is the greatest indicator of Yaakov's success in his avoida. And that explains why here, when Yaakov gives the brochas to them, and he's talking about, wow, look amazing, they have upheld our values even in Mitzrayim, brought up in Mitzrayim, that is the success of my avoider, therefore Ephraim is the one who's mentioned first. Because we've already clarified that Menashe represents that you don't lose the connection to your source. Well, then you're still plugged in. Menashe represents you're still plugged in to Yaakov. So it doesn't really fit with saying, before I got there, because you are pretty much there, at least in, in consciousness. Because Menashe represents that you are acutely aware of Beisavi. So you can't say, Jacob's not here. He is here. He's in our minds. The real reality of saying, your children, before I got there, 
is in Eifan Avoida from Ephraim. It's expressed in Ephraim's mode of Avoida, which is, Ephraim's mode of Avoida is, you're in that world, you're in the darkness, you're in the goddess. Externally, superficially, you actually can't identify that this is somebody who is connected to Yaakov. He is part and parcel of that world. And in spite of the fact that he lives in that world, and he looks like he's a citizen of Mitzrayim, when you actually observe him, you see 100% he is Yaakov's Enikel. So therefore, Ephraim is the real indicator of the success of Yaakov's Avoida, because even when there's this disconnect, there is no disconnect. Even when there's the distance, when you feel that you're part of the society of Mitzrayim, you're still Yaakov's grandchild. That's an amazing achievement. Now, it says, will explain this even better when you look at how Hasidus defines what the greatness of Yaakov is, consistency. As Yaakov is midas ha'emes, was his mavrech menakotzel ha'kotzel, Hasidus explains that Yaakov represents absolute truth with a capital T, which goes from one extreme to the other without changing or wavering. From the kotzel ha'chielion, bismim kotzel ha'chitachten, from the greatest extreme to the lowest extreme. Umbefoil. Fritzich dosseis durch Yosefen. Now Yaakov's goal is to have the highest levels of holiness all the way consistently to the lowest levels, but how does it play out in practice? Through Yosef's efforts. Why through Yosef? Because because Yaakov really lives in the realm of Atzilus, which is separate, aloof from the reality of the lower worlds. He's beyond Bria, Yitzira, and Asi. Whereas Yosef takes all the greatness of Yaakov Atzilus and brings it down into the world, as you see from Yosef's story, he goes into Mitzrayim, and he brings the holiness into Mitzrayim. Until Yosef goes into the lowest of the low, and brings the consistency of Yaakov's avoida into that space. Which is actually the real reason why Yosef is the cause of Yaakov coming down to Mitzrayim. It's not just that Yosef is the cause of Yaakov coming into a space of Golos. It's that Yosef facilitates the avoida and the level of Yaakov entering into a world that is very lowly. And so, so what's Yaakov's MS? Yaakov's MS is through Yosef's avoida penetrates all the way down into the lowest of the low and equally elevates to the highest of the high. Dafka through that avoider which is to illuminate and more than illuminate, cause the darkness itself to shine, that the acher should become a ben, that that which previously was in the world of impurity is now considered like a child, part of the family. That has an impact all the way to the highest level. That creates the advantage of light that is derived out of darkness, which is which is greater than Atzilus, greater than Yaakov himself. As we already said, when you're in Golos, it draws out resources of the Neshama that you never knew that you had. But when you impact the Golos, it elevates your Neshama to a level higher than where the Neshama was. Likewise, Yosef brings Yaakov into a world that Yaakov never would have entered. And through that, he elevates Yaakov to a level even beyond Yaakov's state in Atzilus itself. That's also why it is that Yaakov's best years of his entire life for the 17 years in Mitzrayim, as the Pasuk says, that Yaakov truly lived for the 17 years that he was in Mitzrayim. Why? 
Because it's specifically once Yaakov goes down into the dark realm called Mitzrayim, that's when Yaakov comes to real life, to real completion. That's when Yaakov is able to penetrate with his absolute power and holiness all the way down into the lowest of the low, and that elevates Yaakov to an unprecedented position, the Ephraim factor. Now we know that Ephraim and Menashe replace Yosef in the counting of the 12 Shvatim. So that must tell you that Ephraim and Menashe have to represent Yosef's entire reality, which is to extend Yaakov's avoider into the broader world. To bring Yaakov's avoider down into Mitzrayim, which tells us that Yosef has an advantage over Yaakov because he brings Yaakov's avoider into the lowest realm and Ephraim and Menashe have an advantage over Yosef's avoider. Why? Because by Yosef, and if you look from Yosef's perspective, even when Yosef goes down into Mitzrayim or spiritually enters into the created reality of Bria, Yitzir, and Asir, his reality is that Yaakov is clear to him. He sees his father's face. Yaakov is part of his reality. It's his reference point. It's clear what is right and what needs to be done. And not only that, so therefore he has because in his avoider he clearly defines experiences and sees Yaakov and Yaakov's avoider versus Hecha from Mitzrayim Be'akenal. In other words, he's connected with something which is fundamentally beyond his operating environment, beyond where he's working. Mitzrayim cannot conceal or interfere with Yosef's reality because he's plugged into Yaakov's reality. Not only can Mitzrayim not impact him negatively, he totally controls Mitzrayim. So therefore, if you look at Yosef's reality, as Mitzrayim so Yosef hasn't really, really gone into the dark, dark world of Mitzrayim because he's always so conscious of Yaakov's reality and Yaakov's perspective. He doesn't yet experience how the darkness could be an adversary. He doesn't experience it because he, he lives in his pristine reality of Yaakov awareness. You actually see this in the actual story. As Kozman, Yosef had gelebt. As long as Yosef was alive, Mitzrayim did not have the power to create any decrees against the Jewish people because Yosef is too powerful. As long as Yosef is around, the Jewish nation hasn't yet really entered Mitzrayim. But when Yosef passes away, as the Mephoshim tell us, as the Medrash tells us, it's a, on that day it's as if they went into Mitzrayim for the first time. Why? Because Yosef never really enters the reality of Mitzrayim. He's too acutely aware of Yaakov. But when you have the two sons of Yosef born in Mitzrayim before Yaakov comes and has a direct influence on them, the avoid is in an odd voice which means that they live and work and, and serve the Abish in an environment which does not feel consciousness of Yaakov. In they live in a Mitzrayim that feels compelling, that feels overwhelming, that interferes. That's their reality. 
That's when you see the ultimate achievement of Yaakov's Avoidah, that the pristine Kedusha of Yaakov infiltrates through Yosef into his children, that they could remain directly connected and true to his, to his value system, even in a world that for them is sometimes overwhelming. So now that we've identified these three different ways that you could experience and impact the Golas, first you have the reality of Yaakov, totally beyond the experience of Mitzrayim. In the world of Atzilus, there is no adversary. Then Then you have Yosef, who becomes like a bridge, who brings Yaakov's clarity and Yaakov's holiness into the realm of Mitzrayim and influences Mitzrayim. And then eventually, Gimel Bnei Yosef, you have Yosef's children, they, they experience the difficulty and the challenge of Mitzrayim and yet remain absolutely pristine in their faith and their commitment. That aligns with the three different impacts and values that you get out of working in Golos. Firstly, that you find immunity because of your Nishama's power. Secondly, that you find wherewithal in your Nishama to fight back. Thirdly, that you actually elevate the world and as a result, elevate your Nishama to an even higher level. What's the first level? The first level was, I find resources within my neshama to protect me so that the goddess cannot drag me down. I don't yet change the goddess, I just don't get dragged down. From that perspective, that's a reality where the person, in a certain sense, really remains aloof and beyond the goddess, like Yaakov living in Atsilis. Like Yaakov, who doesn't belong in Mitzrayim, he doesn't relate to Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim means nothing to him. That's Sveter Inyan. Then we said the second stage is not only do I find the resources to remain protected from Golos, but I find the resources to impact the Golos. When you discover that your neshama is immune to the goddess, and not only that, but now your neshama can impact the goddess and transform it, that's similar to Yosef's avoider, who brings down Yaakov's avoider into the reality of Mitzrayim, which means I bring powerful resources into the space, and they're so powerful that they can even bring out light out of the darkness, not because the darkness is fundamentally changed, but because there's so much light of Yaakov that has been introduced into the darkness. But the ultimate state, which is where you find darkness turning into light. In other words, you discover the light that was hidden within the darkness and you radiate it. That is achieved when you don't necessarily feel that overwhelming, compelling awareness of the avoider of Yaakov, which is that's the reality of Ephraim and Menashe who lived in Mitzrayim before Yaakov arrived. That will answer our original question, why it is that Menashe has more connection to Yosef and Ephraim more to Yaakov. What was the main thing of Menashe? Remember where you come from, remember your source, remain plugged in to the to Atzilus. And how then do you have an impact on Mitzrayim? Because you're so conscious and aware of your source, of your base of me. That's how Yosef operated. 
How did Yosef operate? By bringing consciousness of Yaakov's reality into the lower worlds and therefore impacting those lower worlds. The Shleimus von Yaakov is over, but where do you see the ultimate expression of Yaakov's avoida? That is, Abedafke in the Yusna Omina Choshech Atzmoy, is when the darkness itself starts to produce light. Not that you bring light into the darkness, but the darkness itself begins to produce light. That is Ephraim's avoida. You create success in the land of oppression. Until we see that the Jewish people as a whole are named after Yosef, which indicates that every single one of us has to operate with both systems, Saifun Menashe, Saifun Ephraim. We both have to have a Menashe consciousness and Ephraim impact. The first thing is you have to have Menashe consciousness to wish to be in base Avi in that state of spiritual awareness. You have to wish and yearn that you were higher and beyond the Golos. So why then are you in Golos? Why are you affecting the Golos? It's against your wills. That's what Abishta wants you to be. It's not where you want to be. You're uncomfortable here. You're a girl. You're a stranger. It's not your, it's not your space. How does that translate into practice? The moment you're avoided in your particular environment where Hashkacha Protest took you, the moment that avoider is over, and you rush as quickly as you can back into a holy environment. In other words, the minute you finish your day's avoider, you're in a book. You're davening, you're learning, you keep yourself present because that's where you want to be. Yes, of course, you do all these amazing things and shlichas and gole and mefzoim and all these wonderful things. You're changing the goles, but where do you want to be? In a base medrash. That's the Menasha attitude. It's primary. And at the same time, you have to know as calls man is in shlichas and goles as long as you're doing your shlichas and as long as you're in the environment of goles. It's not enough to live a Menashe reality. It's not good enough just to protect yourself and ensure that you don't forget your source. And make sure that you're not impacted negatively by your surroundings. That's just the preparation to the ultimate aspiration, which is that you'll have your absolute and ultimate success where? In the place of oppression. To actually illuminate the world around you with the mitzvahs and, and, and Torah, both of which are symbolic of light. To the extent that we eventually transform all of the darkness of Golos into the light of Gula, as the Pasuk says, when the night will shine like day, should be take care of Omiyad Mamash.